Hi there. How's everyone doing today? It's really good to be together with all of you. I want to say if you're a guest, maybe with us for the first time, we're delighted that you're here. And on one hand, you're here on somewhat of an odd weekend. Because the stuff, I just want to tell you right up front, the stuff we're going to talk about today isn't the kind of stuff uh, that we talk about every weekend, especially in the way we're going to talk about it this weekend. This, just so you know, is Vision Weekend, and it's a lot like a family meeting weekend. It's unique, different, much different than most weekends. And so on one hand, it's odd. On the other hand, I don't think uh, that if you're a guest, you could have shown up for a better weekend, frankly. If you want to know who Journey Church is to our core, you're going to hear it and you're going to feel it because it's a family meeting. Like, all cards are face up. Here's who we are as a community. Here's what matters most to us. Here's what we're about. And here's where we're headed in lots of ways into the future. So buckle in for all of that. And I want to start off on a real personal note on behalf of myself and Dana, my wife, our entire family, all nine of us. I just want to say how much we love you, every last one of you. And we are so delighted to have the privilege of being your pastor and leading you and being a part of such a wonderful family of people. Honestly, this is a one in a million kind of church community. It really is. And what God is doing and what God has done in us and through us is nothing short of incredibly special. And that's only testimony to God and His grace and His goodness and His activity. And I want to say thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love and your care and your support and your friendship and your partnership in every single way that all of you express them. You're the best. You're simply the best. And it is a wonderful treat that I have to get to play the role that I and we as our family get to play with you. And I got to say that we've got a long ways to go until we arrive at what we would consider to be mission accomplished as far as what God has tasked us with here in the Gallatin Valley and here in our region. And we can't wait to experience every one of those twists and turns and ups and downs all along the way between now and whenever Jesus comes back or whatever all of that looks like. The second piece of this that gets real personal for me, and I hope it's real personal for you as well, is uh, about our staff team around Journey Church. You literally just don't get to be a part of some of the things that we've gotten to be a part of and some of the things that we've gotten to see happen through the ministries of our church without an all-star, top-drawer, blue-chip staff team. And we have nothing short of the very best church staff in the world right here at our church. It's a paid staff of 17. There's another four who I'm not sure what their deal is, but uh, we don't pay them a dime, and they act like they're employed full-time around here. So uh, that's a pretty cool deal. And every last one of them, 21 of them, uh, are all in the perfect seat on the Journey Church bus, the seat that they were made to sit in, made by God to sit in, uh, in this ministry. They're a godly and they're a fanatically committed, wholehearted, ruthlessly honest, do the right thing when the chips are down and do the right thing when no one else is looking and terrifically effective for the kingdom of God, a bunch of people. And for me to lead them is easy and it's fun because they're so incredibly committed to loving our Savior first and then to their work Uh, as God's ministers. And so I just invite you, as you have the opportunity to love up on our staff team around here, tell them how much they matter to you, tell them how grateful you are to God for them and the role they play around this place and around this community. And then there's one more piece of this that's very personal and and, uh, even, it's, it's just staggering. I don't know how else to say it. And that's our volunteers across the life of our church. Lots of you know this, I know some of you don't, but it takes literally hundreds of volunteers to mobilize the kind of ministry that we're putting on the pavement every single week of the year, and you're there. And I 
say, way to go, and thank you for being there. At every turn, you're there. You're setting up chairs, and you're mentoring couples, and you're teaching kids, and you're welcoming people, and you're serving in the community, and you're making coffee, and you're seating guests, and, and you get the idea. On and on and on, the list could go. You get the picture. And see, the deal is, as a community called Journey Church, we're only fulfilling the mission that God's asked us to serve when every last one of us are fulfilling our role of serving, volunteering together. And so to the hundreds and hundreds of you who serve every month around here, way to go. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you, if you served in any way across the life of Journey Church in the last 12 months, in any way whatsoever, I don't care what it is, would you just stand right where you are so that we can thank you? Just stand up. Just get up. Come on. Oblige me. Come on. Get up. Would you thank that bunch of people? Come on. Way to go. Way to go. Keep that up. Keep that up. Keep that up. And we've been a part and been able to see God do some very special and even amazing things in the last 12 months. And uh, we put a few of them together in this little film, so why don't you watch this? Four years ago when we started Journey Church, we were born and we were founded and we were rooted in this mission of reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in Jesus Christ. And when we said that, we meant it and we still mean it. Way more than just being a catchy slogan, our mission was and is still intended to be the benchmark by which we measure everything we do. We measure the ministry and we measure the outreach and we measure the hiring and we measure the financial allocation. Everything we do as a church community through the grid of that mission statement. If it doesn't accomplish one or both of those aims, out it goes. We're going to bury it. Or better yet, if it doesn't meet one or both of those twin objectives, then it's not even ever going to see the light of day around here because we mean business by our mission statement. It's not just a slogan. It's, quite honestly, it's what gets us up in the morning. It's what gives us purpose for everything we do as a community. It's what motivates us to press in and press on when the going gets tough. It's our driving conviction. A couple of weeks ago, it, uh, on a Monday... Monday's usually my day off. This Monday, though, was not trending towards being a day off. You'll understand why. I found myself standing out in front of our hospital up here on the hill, and I was pondering in front of the hospital how life change really happens. And some of you are going, that is so weird. So just picture that big porta cachere out in front of the hospital. Right now it's got this giant banner that says something about a smoke-free campus or something like that. So there I am wandering around underneath that banner, pacing back and forth, almost wondering out loud, How in the world does life change really happen? How does transformation really happen? And some of you right now are going like, oh my word, that is such a frightening thought. Brian pacing back and forth in front of the hospital. Does he need to check himself in, perhaps? I gotta tell you, I wasn't there for me that day, though. I was there because I was supposed to see a guy who was a patient there that day, who had been a patient there that day, but to the chagrin of a whole bunch of people, the person who I came to see just up, uh, sort of out of nowhere, tore the IVs out of his arm, checked out against medical advice, and literally walked out of that hospital with clothes on his back and nowhere to go. And nobody knew where he went, and nobody knew what he was gonna be about. And so I'm pacing back and forth, and I'm thinking about this kid, and I'm going, How, what's going to happen to this guy? How's this going to go? Where's he going to go for help? What's next for him? How in the world is this guy going to get well even? Good night. And the only thing that kept playing through my head over and over and over again as I'm pacing back and forth underneath the big smoke-free campus banner at the hospital was this truth that there is just one power on this planet that can bring the healing that that kid needs. And it's the power, and it is only the power of the love of Jesus Christ. That is it. 
Because at the end of the day, it's only Jesus' love that can conquer sin, that can wipe away shame, that can heal wounded hearts, that can reconcile enemies, that can put shattered dreams back together again. And ultimately, it is only, and I mean only the love of Jesus Christ, that can change the world one life, one heart at a time. One by one by one. It's just true. And when you run that truth out, the all-consuming reality is that that radical, and it is a radical message of the transforming love of Jesus Christ, it has been bestowed, entrusted to you and to me. It's been given to the church, us. And I want you to know that God doesn't have a plan B. We are his plan A. Get that. We are his plan A, which means at the very end of the day, in a very real way, the very hope of the world that comes only through Jesus Christ is coming through us. And that ought to be weighty to all of us. That ought to be incredibly compelling to all of us. We're the conveyors of the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. And this isn't just small potatoes kind of stuff we're talking about. Because we're talking about people's eternities. We're talking about their forevers. Because see, every person on planet earth was made by God with a soul. And that soul, while our body certainly dies, our soul was made to live forever, see. And that means this world and all of its trappings and everything that goes on in this world are literally just a blip on the radar screen of our entire existence. Sure, we might get 60, 70, 80 Some of us might even be lucky enough to get 90 years to live, but that's just living on this planet. Our soul lives on forever and ever. And based on the decisions that people make during the course of their life, their very short life on this planet, that determines, those choices determine whether their soul goes on to live with God forever or apart from God forever. It is that simple. And we are the bringers of the hope of the world in Jesus Christ. We are God's plan A. And I heard a guy talking, a pastor, he was talking about a dinner gathering that he was at. It was a banquet type setting. He had been seated at a table with a whole bunch of very high-ranking military brass. And these were nice, very well-intentioned men. But their conversation all around the dinner table that night gave off the air that they felt that they were in the most important business on the planet, in the business of life and death, which certainly these military brass held in their hands. And while it's true, those men did indeed hold the power to decide in many settings who lives and who dies, our work, this work of making Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible, this mission of reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in Christ is so much bigger than just life or death because this is all about, folks, people's forevers. It is all about their eternities. And that penetrating truth led that pastor actually to say to those military men around that table, if only my work were about life and death. If only our work as the church were about life and death. Because see, it is about so much more than that. It is about people's forevers. Do they spend eternity with God or do they spend their eternity separated from him? And church, it is our role to make Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible so that every person on planet earth has had the opportunity to to say yes to Jesus Christ. To say yes 
to spending their forever and ever with God. And I want you to know that's true not because I say it. It's true because Jesus Christ says it. He says, look, church, you are my plan A. And he says it in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore go, Jesus says, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the passage of the Bible that we all know is the Great Commission. It's Jesus' directive to us, to the church, to go and invite people to follow him with their whole lives. That's what a disciple is, by the way. A person who follows Jesus with their whole life. Nothing in their life is untouched by him. And he gives us lots of room and he gives us lots of latitude to express that Great Commission in ways that are contextualized into the culture in which we live. Jesus doesn't give us the specific how piece. He leaves the methodology, by and large, to us. He simply says, this is what you're to be about. You're my plan A. The church is my plan A. Now go and get about it and make me as available as possible to as many people as possible. And so everything we're going to talk about for the remainder of our time together today is all about that, making Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible. And the first thing I want to start by tackling is talking about our Christmas Eve that is rapidly upcoming, in case you didn't know. Now last year, those of you who were around here, you might remember that our Christmas Eve production was difficult, and that's a kind word to describe it, for a variety of reasons. And I want you to know we stepped out last year. We took a great risk, and any time you step out on the edge and you take a great risk, you don't get it right every time, do you? But we've had the whole last year to reflect on what was good and what was bad about last year's Christmas Eve production. And I want you to know, I'm proud to say even, that we're stepping back out onto the edge again with all of the learnings that we gleaned from the last time we were there. We're going to do it better this time. This year, we're launching an original theatrical production called Happy Holidays, Pending. It's a 50-minute play with music replete with themes that we think will be both humorous and profound, all in one package. And listen, one of the primary reasons we leverage Christmas Eve the way that we leverage it is because of the incredibly high number of people who will only attend a church gathering around a major holiday like Christmas. That means we carry with us as a church community this immense responsibility of not just crafting a nice, safe, sanitized Christmas Eve service. Instead, we have to ask this burning question. How do we reach people who might only attend a gathering like that one time per year? The other question that we're compelled to ask is how might we be able to partner with God to break through to hard hearts that harbor long-held resistance to the things of God? And I'm inviting you today to be a part of helping with that. You can start by praying over those Christmas Eve services right now. Just ask God to do something special through them, that God would use the teams who are putting that thing together powerfully to reach people and impact people who are living life far from God. And then you could serve on some of the teams, set construction, props, tech crew members, a whole bunch of stagehands in the kids' ministry department, ushers, greeters, so on and so forth. If you're in, just use the card in your chair and hand it to an usher on your way out today and say, I'll serve on Christmas Eve. I want to make a difference with my Christmas Eve. Think about attending a service and working another one. Think about working both of them. Think about attending both of them. The last thing I'd ask you to do around Christmas Eve is to consider who in your world you're going to bring with you. Who's going to be the guest or guests on your arms at that Christmas Eve service? Who in your world would be deeply impacted by attending that kind of event? We're not just doing this so we can huddle up in this room 
and have a nice little sanitized, safe Christmas Eve experience. It's all about making, making Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible. Carry that with you. Be a part of that. Serve, invite, bring, please. The next thing I want to talk to you about toward making Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible is phase one of our ministry uh, campus and community center. And we believe to our core as a church that buildings are just tools that God can use toward making himself available to people. You know the story, lots of you, if you've been around here. Last September, we bought 40 acres on the corner of Love and Baxter, the northwest corner. And we believe to our core that there won't ever be a sign on that corner that says Journey Church because that's not the church. If anybody should have a sign on that says Journey Church, it's all of us right around our neck. Journey Church because land and buildings are not the church. We are. People are the church. That's a campus. It's a community center. We who are the gathered community called Journey Church, we will meet in that place. As a matter of fact, we're going to need your help in the coming months in naming that place out there because we can't just say the northwest corner of love and baxter that's not you know well out there the northwest corner of love and baxter right we're gonna have to give it a name and we think the creativity and the name is residing somewhere in all of you so stay tuned for more of that and we'll pick your brain on that you know that we broke ground out there just over a week ago We couldn't be more thrilled. We couldn't be more excited about that. I couldn't a couple of weeks ago show you what the elevation looked like, meaning what the front looked like, because uh, frankly, it was too ugly to show you. We didn't like it. We weren't going to build it, but we like this, and so we can show you this. There it is. That's what's under construction at the northwest corner of Love and Baxter, phase one of whatever we call that place out there. Do you like that? Yeah, all right. Good. Uh, I think we're into uh, six redesigns to get to that, and uh, some of them were very ugly. Some of them were very expensive, and this, uh, fit, no offense, Bayless, if you're here, sorry. It's very, all your work has been very, oh, he didn't even like the other stuff, so he likes this, though. Uh, the floor plan, the footprint, there it is. Offices over there, worship center there, kitchen there, that other thing that's there, that's just a closet, didn't get labeled, but it's a closet to put chairs and tables and so on in classrooms over there. Lots of churches, they have lobbies. We have what we call breakout. Uh, it's kind of like breakdown and break dancing, breakout. There's a, you know, across the front lobby, we might call it. Just a smidge over 30,000 square feet there. $3.4 million uh, to construct that. Scheduled occupancy the weekend after Labor Day, this coming September, Lord willing. Now, to get that done, we're assuming around $1.8 million or so in short-term debt to get that building put up. We own our land, the 40 acres, free and clear, thanks to your faithful fulfillment of your light and light brighter and lighted up gifts. And I just invite and I encourage you just to keep those gifts coming if you would. Because every dollar you give from here on out is a dollar that we don't have to borrow to build phase one. Now, when we originally started this whole capital campaign process, We thought we were just pledging a whole bunch of us to land, right? We just were giving to land. We hadn't even talked about giving to construction yet, but because of the way land costs have come down in the last couple of years, some people call it a real estate downturn. You can say that together, real estate downturn. Yes, we're all feeling it together, yes. But that enabled us to pick up that 40 acres, not for $2.5 million as we anticipated, but for $1.2 million. So that means there's this pool of money left over that is able to fund the early part of this construction process. 
So we were able to turn what would have been land dollars into actual construction dollars, which was the goal all along. We knew we weren't just going to buy land because, you know, what do we, we just hold church in the open air out there in January. That's not going to work, right? Can't do that. But because we're assuming that level, that $1.8 million in debt to finish that building, to get phase one up and us moved in, that means in late 2010, all of our capital campaigns will be completed, and we're going to fire up then at that point a new capital campaign initiative to pay off that debt over the following three years, from 2011 to 2014. So you see what we're doing there. For the kingdom of God purposes, we're willing to leverage short-term debt We're willing to step out in faith because we think that God is asking us to. We think God is inviting us to because we look around our valley and we see some 70,000 plus people who are living life today far from God. That if Jesus came back today, they would spend eternity, they would spend forever apart from him. So many kids who have yet to give their lives to Jesus Christ. So many college students and 20-somethings who are seeking. So many parents who want more than anything to raise their families with God's values instilled in their children. So many grandparents who want the very best for their, their kids and their grandkids. And us, we, Journey Church, we hold the answer that they are seeking. Capital A answer. We are the bringers of the hope that they're longing for. Which is why we're proceeding forward to create a place of our own a safe place where those people can have a chance to come face-to-face with the God who made them, the God who chose to redeem them, a place where they'll have the opportunity to hear God's voice and choose to follow Him. Lots of you are asking the question, how can we help? Well, first of all, you can start to help by praying, please. Pray over that construction process. Now, we all like snow, but it'd be nice if there wasn't much this winter as we're under construction, right? So pray on all of that. Safety on the job, a smooth course, subs that are doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it, all that stuff. Just pray for God's favor over that whole thing. And then I'd invite you, the second piece would be to fulfill your commitment. If you made a commitment to one of those capital campaigns, would you just walk it out, please? Now, I know that for a whole bunch of us, circumstances have changed since we signed that card maybe a couple of years ago, maybe even three years ago. We get it. We know, we understand. And all we'd ask if that's you is that you'd just tell us. Would you just tell us, like, my, my financial world is completely different than it was then, and here's what that means for me. Just communicate that to us. No condemnation, nobody putting a finger in your chest going like, what's up with you? Just like, okay, we're just gonna go, great. Thanks for letting us know. Thanks for letting us know. Some of you who are new around the Journey Church family, we're in the process right now of creating an opportunity for you to give above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings to the general fund toward that phase one project over the course of the next 12 months. You'll be hearing more about that very soon. The third way you can be involved is by volunteering and by serving. We think that we can drive the construction cost of that building down considerably, maybe even as much as 10% by leveraging volunteers. In Guest Central, after the last two services, I've had people come in and go, how can I help? I'm in. I want to serve. I want to be a part of that. And so uh, lots of us, we go like, I'm not a skilled uh, construction laborer. As a matter of fact, I barely know what a hammer is. But we can put you to work on the project. And you'll be hearing more and more and more about that so that we can all inject some skin into that game, if you will. You can, you can make a difference. You really can. You can do stuff. We'll make sure of it. You won't just be showing up out there to wander around and think you're making a contribution. You'll actually make a contribution. Listen in for more on that. 
The next piece I want to talk with you about toward making Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible is our Ethiopia Hope Initiative. Uh, in the lobby as you came in today, you probably saw uh, hanging photos of students at the Bright Hope School in Addis Ababa. That's one of the two, of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. That's one of the two primary international focuses we adopted in 2008. Next weekend, I'll be talking to you about one prong, which is the adoption ministry, and this Bright Hope School is the other. Last November, I was able to visit Bright Hope School. It's a school of over 2,000 students, and when I was there last year, there was no clean running water for the students, 2,000 students in that school. But as I stand here today, I'm really pleased to be able to tell you that the well is in and that the water is flowing. There it is right there, thanks to your contribution, your involvement in all of that. It's there. Yes. Way to go. And we've got more work to do. Any given day at Bright Hope School, there's anywhere between three and 400 orphan students. And the projects that we're going to continue to work on with them will make great strides toward improving their quality of life. Just last week, as a matter of fact, we sent a check to the Bright Hope School that rounded out the money needed to construct the three chicken houses. And so, way to go again on that one. Along with the produce, which is uh, next on our radar screen, produce from the garden, the chickens, and their eggs, that'll provide food, protein-rich, healthy food, to students who don't have a home and students that don't even have a family. The produce garden and the chicken coops, they'll also be used to teach life skills Uh, They'll be educational for the kids so students can learn practical life skills. As you might remember, uh, around Bright Hope School, the well, the chicken house, the garden, we've got to get that wall built around it. We talked about it uh, when we introduced the project. There's some of the wall under construction right there. Now, there's a couple of reasons why we've got to get this wall built. First of all, anything that's left outside that wall, anything that isn't walled in, will get wrecked and will get stolen. It's just the way it works in Ethiopia. There's no respect for, oh, that's a school, oh, that's for the kids. It just doesn't matter. It'll all just disappear literally that fast. Second, that wall is a safety deal for the kids of the school. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, there were two men who were murdered in the neighborhoods surrounding the school. Their bodies ended up on the school campus. Those kids who attend the Bright Hope School, they also live under constant threat of literally being stolen away off of the school campus and sold into sex slavery. We've got to get the wall up. We've got to be able to help protect children who can't otherwise protect themselves. And so we're going to keep pressing in on that wall project, the garden project, and so on. And I've got to tell you that the staff of the Bright Hope School, they're so overwhelmed by your goodness and your... They can't believe. Uh, They don't even know where Montana is. And they can hardly believe that these two little churches, us and then our partner Harvest Church in Billings, are locking arms with them. They've said over and over and over again, we thought we had been forgotten. This is a public school in Ethiopia. We thought we had been just forgotten. And they can't believe that we're walking with them, that we're serving them, that we're pouring in. And that we're even going to take trips there. We're working on a trip. Stay tuned for this. It will be coming in May. So you could listen for more of that. That will invite you to, uh, not all of you, not everyone will be able to go. I'm sorry. Some of you will be able to go. So good job to the Journey Church family. And we got to get that wall done still. It's about a hundred grand to finish that wall up. And here's some ideas about how you could be a part of that. This week kicks off the official Christmas time shopping season, right? And I just invite and I challenge you to consider everything that you've been given. Stuff that we so often just take for granted. 
clean water, food, shelter, stuff that we don't have to wonder if we're going to have it or where it's going to come from. And just think about how you might be able to share with the students at Bright Hope School some of what you have, some of what we have this Christmas season. Starting next weekend out in the lobby, there's going to be a tree out there with ornaments that represent a gift to Bright Hope School. There's going to be uh, chickens hanging on that, not live chickens, uh, pictures, images of chickens hanging on that tree. 35 bucks buys a few chickens to stock the chicken houses that we're in the process of building. 10 bucks will buy some chicken feed so that the chickens don't eat each other and eat the food instead because that would be very bad. There's also going to be ornaments out there for the wall that needs to go around Bright Hope School. 75 bucks builds one meter of wall. 75 bucks builds one meter of wall. And would you and your family and those you love and care about think about giving up or uh, replacing some of your Christmas gifts this year with bringing hope to the students of the Bright Hope School in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia? Think on that. The next piece I want to talk to you about toward making Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible is our church planting initiatives. In 2008, 2009, we were able to launch two new churches, Narrate Church in Helena and The Bridge out in Glendive, Montana. Uh, Experts tell us that the most effective outreach strategy we have to reach people who are far from God is by planting new churches. And we made a very strategic decision over four years ago that every dollar that's ever given to our land and building capital campaigns would be tithed off of. 10% of every dollar that's given to land and building projects at our church go toward planting new churches and starting new ministry ventures in our region that fit our mission. So when the leaders of Narrate Church and the Bridge Church presented themselves, we're like, yes, we have the resources and this is, why, this is the exact reason why we did this. And God is working mightily through both of those churches. Pastor Adam at Narrate in Helena sent me just a few notes. He said, we've been able to develop quite a relationship with the city. They're starting to actually, the city of Helena is starting to lean into our church to help with some of the problems in the community. We just completed two projects for them. They've been very blessed. Next up, they're asking us to complete a project that's going to save them actual wages saving the community. And that's just the purpose we think that the church exists for, to serve the community in which they're located, not just to hold services on the weekends, but to actually engage and serve relevantly in the community. Adam also says that people who have been disconnected from church for a very long time are surfacing around narrate along with people who are very far from God. He says he knows of at least one marriage that showed up a few weeks ago and the couple was saying, just so you know, we're getting a divorce. We're cashing it in. We're done. They were able to say, Now we're getting help with our marriage. We don't want to just throw it away. We want to actually press in and work on that. He says the entire core team, all of the people who are moving from Bozeman and Billings are there. Some 29 people relocated from Billings and Bozeman to help narrate church start, and they're all on site. It's fantastic. God is working powerfully. If you're in Helena, go to the Cinemark Theater on Sunday morning, and you can attend a service at uh, narrate. They'd be delighted to have you. And then the bridge, what a fantastic story. John and Kristen Marble, they live at Big Sky. They hang around Journey Church for several years. John has a passion to coach girls volleyball. And what do you know, the position at Dawson Community College in Glendive, Montana, opens up. And so he he gets the job. He takes the job. And just think about that transition for a moment. Big Sky, Glendive. Uh, Emphasis on the word dive. They're not watching today. They're 
not watching. I love Glendive, honestly. And they go there not just to coach volleyball, though. They go there with this passion, with this mission to make Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible. And so they said, will you help us? We need some equipment. We need some resources. We need some vision. And so we stepped up and we stepped in and they're, they're going. Uh, they're using some of our weekend teaching material. They meet on Wednesday nights and they meet in their living room. Now, the interesting thing, uh, they have quite a large family, a whole bunch of kids, uh, like some other people I know. And uh, this house that they bought is actually a remodeled church, of all things. And so they do church. This is their living room, complete with stained glass. And they do church in there on Wednesday nights. And uh, you're going to see a picture in just a minute. There's Derry up on the screen that's from a service here that goes out to there. And they're seeing people meet Christ, and they're seeing the community engaged. And God is doing some very cool things through this maybe non-traditional ministry. I had a conversation with John and Kristen just last weekend, and they're like, okay, we think we've got to move out of our living room. We just don't have room. We're sort of capped out. And so they're thinking about a building and renting some storefront space perhaps and so on. So... And I want you to know that we're not just done because we planted two churches last year. We're not just done planting churches. John and Kristen, for example, could use some people from right here literally picking up and moving to Glendive to help make the bridge go. And I don't know, God might be tapping you on the shoulder to do just that. We think, for example, there needs to be a campus of Journey Church or a church plant in Livingston. More and more families are continually driving over the hill to be a part of the Journey Church community when we think they should attend church, they should be a part of a church community in their own community. We think God is stirring that up in us. We think we need a ministry outpost of some kind at Big Sky. And Don Lloyd has been our contact down there, and he's serving around here in high gear, and he's helping us architect just what that looks like at Big Sky. We even think that God might be working in us and on us to do something in Gillette, Wyoming, of all places. And on and on the list goes. Because, see, we're not about a holy huddle here in Bozeman. We're not about a holy huddle here in Bozeman. Us for no more. That is not what we're about. We're all about making Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible all over the world and all across our region. We're even in that very same vein. We're working on the possibility of another Journey Church campus with what's happening on this stage in another part of Bozeman, perhaps a Main Street venue where we would simulcast what's happening in here across town, where people who might not ever darken the door of a Christian school or a community center or a formal church building might just slip in and begin their faith journey with God. And those conversations are ensuing right now, and we'll just keep you posted on what those uh, are bearing out over time. Now, all of that, making Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible, Fulfilling Christ's great commission comes at a price, doesn't it? It doesn't just happen. And so there's a sheet under your chairs. I'm going to ask you to grab it, if you would. Just pick it up, grab onto it. Thanks for not reading it to this point. Good job. Because, see, fulfilling Jesus Christ's great commission in Matthew chapter 28 takes every single one of us giving generously to the support of God's work through our church. It just does. The council, who is our expression of elders, landed on a budget, you see it there, of $1.148 million for our ministry and operations budget this next year, this current fiscal year. And you see it there. And here's how that breaks down. 
That first category, outreach ministries, discipleship ministries, spiritual formation ministries, congregational development ministries, all of them you see listed there. We're going to invest $421,000 plus this year. Kids and student ministries, you see all those broken down. Uh, our investment in those ministries this year will be just a little over 100000 101000 We'll invest almost $47,000 this year in our weekend worship services. And then operations, overhead, administration, some of the not fun stuff, you know, light and heat, that sort of thing, $579,000 this next year, $1.148,311,000. That's how it all breaks down right there. That's just a little over $22,000 per weekend for us to be on ministry target. Now, a few weeks ago, I sent you an email. And I said, look, church, here's the deal. Since the start of September, we've been running 3100 bucks behind the amount we need to fully fund our budget. And I just got to tell you how praiseworthy God is because since that email went out, since you heard that, our giving has been right at or has exceeded that $22,000 that we need every weekend to keep our ministries running the way that we think God is asking us to lead them and direct them. So I don't know what you're doing, but would you just keep it up, please? Way to go. Because it literally takes every last one of us across this family to facilitate the ministries of our church. And at the same time, it's our prayers and it's our regular, ongoing financial support that sustains the ministries of our church and our continued ability to make Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible. And I know how tough it is out there. I know how tough it is out there. I know what lots and lots and lots of us are facing when it comes to income and work and future work and so on. And yet even in the midst of all of this economic downturn that we're living in the midst of, God's invitation to us to be generous in giving to his work, it still stands up very, very tall. I know of a couple of very good churches in our region who I stay in close contact with. They have similar vision and similar philosophy to ours. And in very recent weeks, both of those churches have had to let several, and I mean several, very senior staff go simply because of their financial trajectory. That means those churches' ability to make Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible has been severely curtailed. It just has. And we don't want to get to that same place. We do not want to get there. And we won't when every last one of us is fulfilling our God-appointed role. And when we are, amazing, God-breathed, special stuff will continue to happen in people's lives, in the lives of their families, in the lives of the entire Gallatin Valley community, and then out from here around the world, simply because of our generosity as a community. You take that paper and set it aside, and would you just close your eyes and bow your heads and just get real quiet with the Lord. Just go to prayer, if you would. Listen in to Him. I don't know what role God is inviting you to in the life of our church family this year. Maybe it has to do with that generosity piece. 
Maybe the Lord's prompting you to increase your generosity, increase your giving of gifts to your church, to the work of God. Maybe you never even thought about walking that out before. Maybe the Lord's nudging you to begin to be generous. Or maybe for you it was around volunteering on phase one of that construction project. Maybe it's around our Christmas Eve services around here. Maybe you know you just have to get out of the stands and get onto the serving field and get some skin in the serving game. I don't know what it is for you, but I just invite you to whatever the Lord is prompting your heart toward, would you just commit to him? Just pound a stake in the ground right now that you're going to walk that out. You're going to do what he's nudging you, do what he's prompting you to do. God, because you're God, you certainly don't need us to fulfill your great commission, to fulfill your mission. Yet over and over and over again, you show us and you tell us that we're your plan A, that we're your methodology for reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in you, for making your son Jesus as available as possible to as many people as possible. And that's a staggering reality to us because we are broken and we are feeble And yet you entrust your stuff to us, God. And so we, in a real grateful, in a real humble way, just say thank you. Thanks for involving us in the greatest work going on planet Earth. We get to be a part of it. And God, we're weak and we're broken and we're frail. And we struggle. And yet at the same time, in the midst of all of that, we lean into you, God, and we cling to you. And we plead for your strength and for your power, God. We plead for your power so that we might fulfill the mission that you've called us to. And God, would you start that in our hearts first? Would you make us into the people who you want us to be that we would be made and we would be found in the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Perfect, holy, pleasing to you, God. And then would you leverage your stuff through us into the lives of other people so that they might see you. So that they might be drawn to you, to bend their knee to you, to say yes to you, to your life, to spending their forever with you, starting right here, right now, God. We're all about your kingdom. May we be especially useful to you, God, please. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name, the one who came to save all of humanity. And the church said, amen. Let's wrap up.